0: Jesus is the hope of the world. Yes. Yes. And we're the people to tell the world. Yes. Yes? Hallelujah. Uh, Would you like to turn, uh, please, uh, to James chapter 1? It will be on the screen anyway. Just before we actually read that, can I just say uh, I've organized uh, a group of people as a ministry team, and they all have badges. So when we ask people to come out for prayer, there will be a team of people who I'll say, can the ministry team come? And there will at be the first response. They will come to pray for folk. That is not an exclusive team, though. Okay? So if you want to come and pray as well, that's fine. If you want to have a friend you want to come and pray with, that's fine. But we have a team of people who are, who are already prepared to come, and they are, all have badges, or they will have very shortly. And um, I've, I've got yours. And... They'll have badges, and they will just make it safe for people being prayed for, and they will pray for folk, okay? Just so you, if you wonder why you suddenly see people wandering around with badges on uh, said ministry team, that's because we've organized it, yeah? yeah? Yes, Paul, okay. Up until, um, actually, I've just felt a prompt, before. I just want to pray, just, just while well, I worship, I felt God say pray. Just, just focus on the Lord a minute. Lord, you are the exalted King, seated at the right hand of the Father. You've dealt with sin and death on the cross. You, you rose again. You've paid the price. And you've poured out your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you, especially now, to come and be our teacher. And, and to. I pray you let You cause the truth of the Word to explode in our hearts and minds. I pray you come and release us from any sense of legalism. You come and release us into the joy of knowing our salvation. I invite you to come, Holy Spirit, right now. And just begin to illuminate. And we give all the glory to Jesus. Amen. Up until Christmas, we are working Uh, through the book of James, most Sunday mornings, and this week uh, I'm looking at verses 18 to 27 of chapter 1, which, as you'll remember so well, the same verses that Simon preached on last week, yeah? Does anybody remember the sermon last week? I thought he did an outstanding job, and um, if you want a title for this morning, it's called Hearing and Doing Part 2, isn't that original all right so verse 18 he chose us sorry he chose to give us birth through the word of truth he being God that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, I, I've got three points. God's choice, the mirror of revelation, and evidential fruit. That sounds posh, doesn't it? Evidential fruit. I wasn't even sure it was a word, but I'll put it in anyway. I, what I want to try and get is this. James is an interesting book. If I get this right this morning, I hope to help you understand the rest of it. Okay? That's, that's what I'm hoping to do. So, first, God's choice. The book of James can, at first reading, sound just like a a list of rules. Very in-your-face. Just a lot lot of rules you've got to adhere to as a Christian. We need to understand that, that James, who was the brother of Jesus, wrote this letter as head of the church in Jerusalem between A.D. 45 and A.D. 53. This is almost certainly the very first of any letters that we have in the New Testament, and it's written to Jewish Christians. It's said of James that he was quite a stern and severe person, be like an Old Testament prophet, and that comes across in his very direct style. He's a sort of an in-your face sort of letter. You read James and it's always going, bang, and have another one. And you think, okay, bang, have some more. It's just that sort of that thing give, give us a break. He just never comes up for breath, as it were. He just keeps pounding away. Some people say that James in this letter is advocating salvation by works, which disagrees with the Apostle Paul's letters that clearly teach salvation by faith alone. However, that's not the truth at all. That's not what James is saying. James is not saying we earn our salvation. What he's saying is that as we put our trust in Jesus and are born again, there will be growing evidence of, of our new birth in the way we live. In the verse we started with, James tells us clearly that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Becoming a Christian starts with God. It starts with the fact that God has chosen us. He reached out to us. He's the one who reached out to us, making us hungry, making us dissatisfied on the inside. How many testimonies do you hear where you realize people are going and say, I was searching, I was empty, I wasn't at peace, there had to be more, all of those things. That is the work of God in a person. It's actually not natural to us to think like that. <coughs> but it's the work of God creating creating a hunger, a desire for something else. And he's doing it all over the world. The Father's still reaching out. Jesus is the living word, and as the gospel, the good news of him is preached all over the world, so God the Father is reaching out, drawing people to Jesus His one and only Son. Isn't it wonderful? The testimony of every tribe and nation and language and tongue, we've just heard someone speaking Farsi, someone from Iran saying, I have found Jesus to be Savior. Isn't that great news? And you know, people all over the world, from every different language and tongue, I'd be able to say, I have found Jesus to be my Savior too. That's outstanding. That's such a joy. I was talking to Tony Smith and a guy who leads a church in York, guy from York, who's a Tanzanian, is going church planting in Tanzania. He's going to plant a church in Dar es Salaam. And uh, I'm going to talk to the guys about that. But Gene and I were looking on the web last night at the church we went to in, in Tanzania in 2007, They're called Bethel Miracle Center, or Bethel Miracle Church. And... Um, Suddenly, Gene Friend, they've got a web page now which says New Frontiers, and and there they are. The the thing has grown like topsy, and people are being born again all over the place. Hundreds of AIDS orphans are getting saved. People are being changed, and it's because the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. That's what we're about here. We're we're at Jubilee. A lot of people say, Oh, well, we're just here for Teesside. We are here for Teesside to see it transformed, but we're an ends of the earth people because the gospel's an end of the earth gospel. It can't be any other way. And as the gospel goes, so the Father is, is choosing. He's, he's creating hunger. He's, he's, he's stirring up people on the inside, and they become dissatisfied with anything else. That's the work of God. John 6, verses 43 to 45, Jesus... Yeah, I've got it right there. It says 35 here, going backwards. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus says. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. No one can come to Jesus unless it's the work of the Father. That's very clear. And then he says, I will raise him up at the last day. He said, it's written in the prophets. They all will be taught by God. Everyone who's heard the Father and learned from him comes to Jesus. Isn't that good? Work of the Father. God's choosing us. You and I are a work of God this morning. We're singing about how great he is. He's magnificent. He rules and reigns and nothing's too difficult for him. Isn't that great? He's always with us was the interpretation that that Sue sang back to us. He never leaves us. He's always there. Wow. You're a work of God. We're we're works of God this morning. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, just... No, no, you're a work of God, chosen by God, outstanding, loved by God, chosen by God, called by God into a life that's breathtaking, a life free from sin, a life bursting with potential, a life that can stand out in a sad world, giving hope and pointing people to other people to Jesus. You see, life without God may at times be exciting, especially when you're young, lots to explore, things to try, plans to make, and so on. The problem is, though, that life without God in the end never satisfies. And so in the end, people just become hopeless and helpless, and many finish up with the mindset, let's eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's all that people have. Imagine you've got nothing to look forward to, no eternity, no love. People just say, I cease. The best you can do, people, you hear it in all the songs, the pop songs, you hear it said on telly, you hear it by all these clever people, and they'll say, we just live on in other people's memories. Well, you know what? Memory is very unreliable, and you won't last very long if you're living in somebody else's memory. The truth is, we are eternal beings. We're made by an eternal God, and we have a gospel that gives us an eternal life and hope beyond the grave. People have that nagging question, and it's an alpha question. Surely there's more to life than this. You know, when people are sorry and they're going on, I do it with my non-Christian friends, they're going on about everything and I'm saying, is that it then? Look at me. Is that it? Do you think there might be a bit more to life than that? And if you can get them at the right time, they start to become reflective and say, well, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think there might be. Hey, I know who it is. It's Jesus. He'll give you more. He'll answer the question. He'll solve your problem. He'll save your sin. He'll transform your life. And as we declare the good news of Jesus, so the Father, so the Father is reaching out to people, reaching out to people, reaching out to people, transforming, drawing them to, the, to Jesus, drawing them to Jesus. It's wonderful. I love what God does. So it doesn't make evangelism something like, it's all down to me now and this guy here better get saved, right? Otherwise, no, no, it's not that. It's the Father's at work drawing, but as I share the gospel, I'm cooperating with the work of the Father in the drawing of people to Jesus. Isn't that great? Don't you think? It's it's like saying, God said, will you give me a hand? I don't need you. (coughs) He's all-powerful. But he draws us. He, he, He catches us up. He said, come and play a part in this wonderful plan I have for the world. What a privilege. That's our privilege, don't you think? Well, I think so. God is reaching out to our sad world with the great news of his son. The one who takes sin and shame away. The one who gives new life. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So James is saying, in the light of the gospel, in the light of the fact that that God is drawing you to Jesus, pay attention. Listen carefully. Don't be too quick to speak. Don't let yourself get easily angered. Anger will hinder you. It'll get in your way. It will spoil things. And James goes on, he says, also, get, get rid of the muck. Get rid of all that moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. God, God has reached out to you through Jesus to rescue that, you from that stuff. Why would you live in it any longer? Now, I want to take this further. And so I need to go to my, my second point to do that, the mirror of revelation. I'm just going to read verses 22 to 25 to you again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after he's looked at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God made men and women to live by his word. In Matthew 4, Verse 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God made us, and he made us to live in the good of his word and by his word. This is not legalism. This is freedom. Now we could spend weeks looking at the whole topic of God speaking and the power of words. I'm going to give it two minutes. Genesis 1, verse 3, it says, we're told, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Wow. I think it's powerful, isn't it? And, and there's loads, loads, loads more illustrations that, of things that God said, other examples of God speaking. You see, God's Word is creative. God never wastes His, wastes his breath. He doesn't chatter on, whiling away the time, like we do. It's just as well, isn't it? You know, God said, let there be light, and there was. And you imagine, he just casually sl- let slip one day. He says, oh, I wonder if there, oops. Because God's word is creative. God's not casual with his words. He, he doesn't just throw them out willy-nilly. God speaks, and when God speaks, things are changed. Things come into being. What God says is the truth. God says, and it is. God spoke, and it was. That's the power of of the Word of God. It's amazing. I have a simple way of putting it, actually. God's Word works. That's why I'm passionate about preaching, teaching. I find it amazing just how God puts His Word into our mouth, and when we speak it, His Word still works. People are changed. I, I, Having led... Two churches before this one i'm i'm pre- I, I like to preach a lot you, you probably get a bit fed up with it sometimes but why do i like to preach a lot because this the word of god works and if we want to see a church changed it needs to be taught and declared and de- taught and declared and you know what as you sit listening to the word of god being taught and declared the word of god works and you get changed that's why i believe about preaching People say, oh, we can't concentrate for more than 10 minutes. Absolute rot. That's not true, because even if you're drifting in concentration, even if we bring little children in sitting under sermons that they can't understand, there's something about the Word of God that brings change to those children. My two kids, Alison and... and, and um, oh, it's Andrew, isn't it? That's the word. I, my son, right. Uh, right. They... We didn't have a children's work for about three years or four years when we started, and they had to sit through all the sermons. And they sat, and they didn't make a noise. Parents, it wasn't like playtime, it was God time. That was true of the worship as well, by the way. We teach our children to worship. It's not playtime, it's God time. And they would learn to sit. Now, sometimes they sat filling in a coloring book, but they sat. And they have said to me, and and Andrew has, and I think Alison has, Dad, we remember those days. We remember the truth that something happened to us in those days. And then we had a children's work and they went out and said, we don't like that. Because we like being where the Word of God is taught. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have a kid's work. Don't hear that. But we need a kid's work that teaches the Word of God. See, the Word of God works. Everything we do is built on the Word of God. Nothing else. Not good ideas. Not fancy planning. But what God has said. It's So important. God spoke to me, Uh, forgive me, I'm probably repeating myself because I usually do, sitting in bed many, many years ago, and I opened Jeremiah, and it said, I've put my word in your mouth, and I just literally flipped the page, sorry, it it was was Isaiah, and then I, I flipped the page, and that was Jeremiah 1, I've put my word in your mouth, and then in my head I heard the words James 3 verse 5. James 3 verse 5 says the tongue is like a small spark that sets a forest on fire. I dare to believe the word of God in my mouth, the word of God in your mouth can set a light, yeah. set a light, transform T-side, transform the world, transform nations because we are declaring the word of God that works, it changes things. Never ever ever despise the word of God. It's so important. God's word creates. God's word heals. God's word gives light, uh, gives us right understanding. God's word is always true. God's word gives us direction and tells us how to live. So James is encouraging us to take God's word seriously. He likens it to looking in a mirror. I've talked about this mirror twice this year, but I make no apology for doing it again because this is pivotal stuff. How many of you have ever been to a hall of mirrors? Do you know how this will translate? Does that translate? A hall of mirrors, like, a, you know, with all these different types of mirrors that make you look, you know? I like the one that makes me thin and gives me, you know, six-pack, all that sort of stuff. Do, do you like those? Have you been to those? I, I, we, we, we went to one, in, we're on holiday with a, our son and family, we, we went to one at Black Gang Chine on the Isle of Wight. You know? Ooh, do, do, do you remember? Great. Jean and I have a, a mirror on, on a wall above our fireplace at home that's a bit distorted. Um, it was cheap. That's the problem. So the reflection when you look is not consistent and constant. If you stand to the left... I find that my face looks reasonably normal. But if I stand to the right, it it makes it thinner and slightly longer. And so I always look at the right-hand side when I'm combing my hair because it makes me feel, yes, not too bad, really. Problem is, it's a lie. You see, to see things as they really are, you have to look in a perfect mirror no distortion, no ripples in the glass. God's Word is the perfect mirror, the perfect mirror for every child of God. The Bible tells me that everyone who's genuinely put their faith and trust in Jesus has been born again and is a new creation. It tells me that the old has gone and the new has come. And yet we often find that what we see in the Word and how things seem in reality in our day-to-day living are in conflict. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, the Word says, you are holy, you are righteous, you are pure. And you're going, do do you ever have that moment? It just doesn't quite line up. Or don't you ever bother reading it? I suppose that's one way to avoid it, but... (laughs) Personally, I, you know, you read it and it says, I mean, the old's gone. Seems to hang on to me. Do you, do you find that there's things of your past that are still around, they hang on, they want to they find some route back in? I think we all find that. I sometimes wonder when we read the Bible then if we think that it's really just a whole, like a hall of mirrors and it, it doesn't actually show things as they really are, that, that, that actually what I'm looking at is a distortion of the truth. Wrong. God's Word never lies. It's the other way around. This is the truth. My experience experience is the distortion. If you've put your trust in Jesus, then what God says about you and I in His Word is more true than our experience and our behavior. Do you get that? It's more true. It's what God says about us that declares it to be true. He's creative. He says, you are my child. That means I'm his child. He says, you are covered in the righteousness of Christ. That means I am righteous before a holy God. He said, you are the apple of my eye. And you go, oh my goodness. But he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And so we have this This dilemma between our experience and what God says. Well, I tell you, what God says is more true every time than your experience. It's so important. You see, for the person who doesn't know Jesus, God's Word, the mirror, shows up sin for what it is. God reveals the secrets of their heart, and they hate it. They see themselves dirty, unclean before a holy God. As they read, The word sin gets exposed. And yet it's often the truth of the word that brings people to a place where they say, I I cannot be this anymore. I need to repent of my sin. I need to be brand new. I need to be born again. And so we believe on Jesus and we are transformed and we are born again. And there's that moment of, I am brand new. (coughs) Because God says so. But I know something has happened to me on the inside. Does anybody ever remember that moment? Ten of you. Do you remember the day you got born again? I remember it. I was seven. And I remember it. And you know what? It wasn't one of those moments when I was all goosebumps. But I knew I was different. You see, we live in an age of goosebumps. Ooh, you, we're often in a meeting, we go, Oh, wow, do you feel that? Do, do you like goosebumps? Do you like those moments of, Oh, do you get those? Some people look at art and get those and go, Oh, that's, that's not who I am particularly, but I listen to music, I get goosebumps all the time. There's a guy died a couple of weeks ago called John Lord, I don't know. Anybody into Deep Purple? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah! Absolutely, good for you. Right, Deep Purple. Right, one. Very few people in this place have ever lived, but Deep Purple. Right, this, 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 this was like a, the nearest thing to heavy metal type rock, and you know, raunchy and man, fantastic. He's fantastic Hammond organ player. Just awesome. Hammond. Now he's just died. He's seventy-one. Died of pancreatic cancer. And I found myself this week feeling really grieving about this. The guy, as far as I know, wasn't a Christian, but he didn't only play a Hammond organ, jazz Hammond, which was just, it blew you away. He, he wrote beautiful classical music, particularly when his mother died. And it's glorious, and I have it on Spotify. And as I was preparing this sermon, because I'm weird, I was listening to John Lord's music, this, this, this orchestral music. And I was getting goosebumps as I listened to it., I think, "Oh, yeah. But you know what? You can get goosebumps all day. you can go to a concert and get goosebumps. It has very little to do with whether you're Christian or not. It has very little to do with whether you're born again or not. You know how you know you're born again? Because God says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be born again, and you believe, and you are, because God said so. That's the nature of our salvation. Now I'm not despising emotional moments. I'm not despising goosebumps. Whatever else you get, I'll get them on my head and the, the little hairs stand up. <laughs> you know, I'm having a good time if you're sitting behind me and there's all these things, whoa, little waving ones going backwards and forwards. Raj will be the same. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm making is this. God's Word never lies. For the Christian, God's Word shows us how God sees us in Christ. A new creation, washed clean, a child of God, holy, pure, righteous. In fact, the mirror shows me that God sees me just as he sees his son, Jesus. He shows me the new creation that I am, and I read it, that is who I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It works. It's creative. That's the truth. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, this is the truth for you. Not your experience, not the things you wrestle with, but this is who God says you are. And this is vital. So when you read it, don't go, oh, well, it's probably a hall of mirrors. My life's this. No, no, you read it. This is the perfect mirror. I said, this is who I am now. There is freedom for me. There is liberty for me. I can be changed. I repeat, the temptation is to think, that mirror's too idealistic. It's not what I'm really like. But no. What God says in His Word about the believer, about you and I, is the truth. And as He speaks it over us, and as we believe Him, as we draw close to Him every day. So you know what? We begin to change. We begin to become more like the image we read of. It's just amazing. The Word of God works. It's fantastic. We are changed. It's wonderful. And so as we, we are changed and we read it, we begin to let the, the Word of God direct our life and our behavior we find more and more joy in the Christian life, so we start dealing with things that we know perhaps need some attention. That's not legalism. That's freedom. That's, that's letting stuff go because I'm not that anymore. I'm a new creation. I'm not held back anymore. It's a process. It's called growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It's a process. It's, the, it's always said, it's becoming what we are. It's becoming on the inside what we already are before God. That's the Word of God at work. And it's liberating, and it's freeing. And we have to read James understanding that. Because then it makes it all work. We begin to realize, you know what? I, I don't have to sin to have a good time. I'm a child of God. I can enjoy, I can enjoy every day. I can live in this moment. I can be filled with the Spirit. I, I'm enjoying this. Do you enjoy your Christian life? Yeah. It's liberating, it's freeing. I'm not tied anymore. I'm not under law. I'm free. I'm free to live it and enjoy it for the glory of God. So the, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 20, is in perfect agreement with James when he says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's who you are now. Live as children of light, he says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. And Paul goes on, Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not legalism. That's freedom. James is not a legalistic book, It's a book that directs us in our freedom to live God's way. For people filled with God the Holy Spirit, life is a million times better than anything this world can offer. So can I urge each one of us, keep looking in the mirror, keep reading it, keep reading the bits about who you are, and let what we see there shape our behavior, shape our decisions, shape our thinking, because what we see in here is who we really are. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. And now my last point, evidential fruit. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that people are recognized for what they are by the fruit in their lives. If someone says they believed on Jesus, but their life is no different at all from the life they lived before, they were a Christian, and they have no desire to be different, then you have to ask, are they really born again? I know people who get baptized, but actually they got baptized maybe because their friends did it, or it seemed a nice idea. All they did was get wet. Because to be born again is to is to put your faith and trust in Jesus for all. say, I believe in you now. You are my Lord now. You, you are the one I'm trusting for my future. And I'm born again on the inside. I'm changed. Now understand, I'm not talking about us suddenly being changed and becoming perfect in every area of our lives, like perhaps Raj is. I, uh, sorry. Uh, you, 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 it's, Do you ever meet holy people that really get up your nose? Oh, Jackie's nodding all the time. Oh, thanks. The fact that you work in the office with us could be the problem. Do you ever do that? You meet them, they're just so holier than thou. Do you you know what I mean? Oh, please, get a life. I'm not talking about being like that. I'm not talking about being so prudish you can't be. I'm talking about living, growing, having the right heart and attitudes and motives. What I'm talking about is that there'll be a sign in our lives of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, fruit grows, it's a process, it doesn't come instantly. I think I told you before of our youth leader in Milton Keynes in the early days, and he came to me at the end of one meeting and he said, Please pray for me because I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> I just laughed. No way. No way. You don't get it like that, mate. I'm sorry. You have to be full of God. You've got to persevere here. You, you, Character issues in your life? Cooperate with God. Let Him shape you. Let Him mold you. Let Him change you. Let Him make you more and more like Jesus. That's part of the Christian life. And you know what? It's a joy and a challenge. It's as straight, straightforward as this. When we try and live by the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and if we do that without being born again... We fail all the time. The Lord just proves that we're sinners by nature, and no matter how hard we try, we can't change that. I, I call that being trying to change from the outside in. And so here you've got, my nature is to be, to be a sinner, so I'm, I'm applying some, some holy truth to my life. Shape up, right? I can't. Whatever I do, something on the inside of me says, no, I'm going to do it my way. That's, that's how the world is. We don't reach the world or change the world by bringing a law to them. That just proves they're sinners, just like we were. But everything is different when we put our trust in Jesus and are born again. What happens is that then we we come to understand that all our sin and shame, all the past, the present, all all of it, the the stuff of the past, the stuff of the present, and the stuff of the future that I've got wrong is paid for on the cross of, of, of Jesus. He suffered the consequences of your sin and my sin, and he's broken the power of sin too. So I'm a new creation now. So I, I'm, I'm changed on the inside. I'm, I'm inside different. I'm still me. i still be perhaps doing the things I do, but my, my motivation has changed. My desires have changed on the inside. And so now, filled with the Holy Spirit, I begin to change. And I begin to change from the inside out. That's the work of God. We become changed from the inside out. Nobody's there pointing a finger saying, You've got to shape up. But as I read the word, I find I'm a new creation, and the word of God begins to shape me, and I cooperate with God, and so I'm changed from the inside out. We start taking responsibility, cooperating with God as he works in us, and so on. Right, just one verse, uh, I'll be done in five minutes. Just thought I, I'll, I'll comment on this verse. Verse 26, those who consider, some consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Come back to, you know, God, God's word is creative, but actually words have power. Our words have power. We're made in the image of God, and we have to be careful what we do with our words. We need to keep a tight rein on our tongue. There's no place in the Christian life for bad language, for gossip, for negativity, in the way we speak about ourselves or others. It's not that God will stop loving us. It's just that because even the words we speak have creative power, we can ruin our testimony of, about Jesus with bad language. We can give our enemy power in our lives and even in the church through speaking badly and negatively about ourselves and others. Do you ever find yourself saying, about, oh, well, I'm no good. We just open ourselves up. Those words have power. That's not true. Jesus died for you. How dare you say you're no good? You're a child of the living God. How dare you say, I'm no good. I am excellent, thank you very much, because I'm hidden in Christ. Yes, in my flesh dwells no good thing, but I am a child of the living God called to purpose. You are children of the living God called to purpose, and in that you are very, very precious and excellent. I don't, I'm not talking about stupid pride. I'm just talking about a right understanding. We are the light of the world, the Bible says. Let's shine then. Let's be positive. Let's speak positive things about ourselves and positive things about one another. This is a very, very important issue. And James talks again in chapter 3 about the tongue. He develops things further, which we'll do. But I just thought I'd read this, chapter 3, verses 79, to finish with, because this issue of how we speak is so important. Casual words. We, we sort of while away the time throwing out words and making comments. God does not do that. Just be careful with the words we speak. So James said this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This is not legalism. This is freedom. This should not be because we are born again. We are a new creation. We we need to see it, own it, declare it, this is who I am, God's word is true, and you know what, Raj is a new creation, and you're a new creation, and you're a new creation, and therefore, I will speak well of you, I will speak well of you, I will say good things of you, Might you be an idiot at times? Yes. Might might, might I be an idiot at times? Yes, because I'm learning to grow. But I will speak well of you. I will speak good things of you. I will speak positive things of you. I will not grumble. I will not complain. I will not use bad language. Why? Because I lose my salvation? No, because I am now a child of the living God. This is what I'm called to. This is what I live for. I am called to reflect Jesus to a lost and dying world. And so are we together. Do you get it? Do you get it? This is the freedom. This is the joy of being a child of God. This is who we are. And So can I encourage all of us this week, keep looking in the mirror of God's word and let's each give ourselves to living as who we are in Christ day by day. Thank you for your patience. Perhaps we could stand, could we? I hope you've got it.